driving gloves were a combination of gearheads. John, the instigator. Derek, the constructor. Will, the builder. Sean, the racer. And maybe a guest invite you to listen while they sit down, have a drink, and discuss cars. Learn more and subscribe to the podcast with no driving gloves. Time now for the ride. Hey, we're here, everybody. We're trying some new intros. We're trying a few different things. Give you. I'm looking for a three minute timer. If anybody's got a three minute timer, give me a three minute timer. Three minute timer. What? That one minute one was rocking. Well, <laughs> I, I need like a three that. minute. Give the give these. Look at this. We got five viewers the moment we start. Look at that. It's a lot better than the zero viewers about forty minutes in. Hey, 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 hey. We gotta just we'll 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 hook them. And we keep them. That's what we do. Right, Will? Ben. Did Will freeze up on us? Yeah, y'all sound all crazy right now. Uh Uh-oh. No. Y'all sound all crazy or something. Like you should. What do you mean we sound crazy? I've already done it twice. Y'all sounded like robots there for a minute. Uh Uh-oh. Well, if any of the listeners still think we're robots... Everybody got the Misto Roboto. Careful now. Hey, I sing so far off tune. No YouTube, Facebook, whatever copyright software is going to get me. All right. Can I just say that tonight's background is like my dream shop? I just want to, I don't know how you got that picture, John, but that is my dream shop. Uh, Did I tell you that's what my old shop looked like? Oh man, must have been nice. You are very quiet. That's not what my shop looks like. I don't have to put bars on my windows in Hoax Bluff. Those aren't bars. (laughs) No, them are bars on the windows. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had a full precise picture of that (laughs) to to put up there. Well, wait, we could do this. I bet you I could do. Oh, that's the wrong button. It's called True Historic Paned Windows. Okay, Will. They look like bars to me. Oh, my God. All right, let's just move on with the show. <laughs> but I'm doing all this fancy background work here for you guys. It looks like carbon fiber. <laughs> yeah, well, we're back to the carbon fiber wave background here. There you go. So, Will, welcome back. Um, you're not at Hooters tonight. No, but I'm still drinking beer. You got some wings? Mm-mm. Man, falling no. short. No, he, he left those at Hooters. <laughs> I did. But I will tell you, this is some mighty good stuff. Coleman, Alabama right here, baby. What? Oh, I can't read it. Will, tell me what it says. Remember, this is an audio podcast. It is Goat Island Brewery, their blood orange. If this is an audio podcast, why are we all on video? Orange wheat ale. Well, I can turn all our videos off. Be really boring to the uh, listeners out there that seem to be commenting, but some you mean the viewers have his comments up. Made, made in the great town of Coleman, Alabama. <laughs> One of the and few we're legal working on uh, some sponsorship, and if any microbreweries or local beer breweries to the, well, any small breweries want to step up, I mean, get me out of my Michelob Ultra because this is uh, three guys sitting around, possibly four guys sitting around having a beer, 
talking cars. Depending on how many drinks we have, it could turn into six guys. Oh, yes. And then we might have studio audiences enjoying wine in the background. Maybe. Nothing like a fine wine. Yes. Yes, yeah, good to be back. Not not at Hooters in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, nothing big happened while you were out in Oklahoma, did it? Nah. Nah. Okay. Now we just went to a car show yeah. and took uh took home the big cheese, won it all. Best in best in class, best in show. Nobody everything. Boring. Yeah. Boring. I can show you part of the Oh, this thing's kind of heavy. Did you drink milk out of that trophy? That's a big ass martini. No, but it <laughs> it does have little uh little olives in martini it. olives. Nice. <laughs> well, I don't know if you heard, but the studio audience commented that it looked like a big martini glass. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So my good my good buddy that I met this weekend, Nate Newport from Strictly Hot Rods in Kansas. Um, these showed up in the mail today and uh, with this nice little note. It said, here's the olives for that badass martini glass trophy from Starbird. Laugh out loud from Nate Newport. So <laughs> he hooked us up with olives. Thanks, Nate. Nice. Yeah. I don't know what I wanted to say, so forget it. Oh, no wonder things are wrong on my end. I got to switch oh, some Lord. screens around. <sighs> Our host can't even get it together. Oh, it's just my end. It doesn't matter to anybody out there. Uh, maybe. Do it this way. So I've been working. Um, hey, you know what this is? Um, a drink? No, that sound. What's that sound? I believe uh, it's called Papa Top. It's the international sound of happiness. Ah. That's what that is. Nice. Oh. What a slow start to the episode. Sorry about that, everybody out there. Yeah, we were kind of hoping you'd have everything set on your end before hitting go live, but, you know. I got everything set on my end. It's all working just fine. All right. I mean, your pictures, you're a little bit dark. Where's your uh, fancy lighting? I got all my LEDs yeah, I must on. Have, I must have forgot to turn a light on. I don't know. I don't really <laughs> care. Nobody wants to see me anyway. Yeah, like I said, it's an audio podcast. We focus on the audio here. Exactly. Of which we're doing a terrible job tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. But I promise, beginning in April, the audio <laughs> podcast will be properly edited. Beginning in the... April, we'll actually start talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh we so got I'm month. trying to think of... Uh, I think I threw a bitch up on the... Uh, Facebook page this week, just to get it back to some automotive things. Uh, before we get to the topic, uh, car discounts not coming back, says largest dealership group. Do you believe that? 
Okay, so interestingly enough, and I have not done enough research on this because it literally dropped today in Kentucky, but uh, the governor here is actually executing an executive order to drop the property tax val- uh, or what the state taxes on vehicles due to the price increase. So he's actually taking it to a state level um, to reduce the taxes, the state charges because of how high dealerships are marking up automobiles. I disagree. So, well, you can't disagree. It's what he's doing. Well, I'm just bringing that fact what to he's the doing table. Because now the state <laughs> sacrificing tax dollars at the expense in order to provide profits for dealerships, which I think I didn't, is BS. I didn't say whether I agreed with it or disagree. I'm just bringing it to the table. Well, I'm not a Kentucky resident. I can say it's a pretty stupid freaking idea. Because I'm looking for a new vehicle. um, I don't mind it. Wow. Remember a couple years ago when it was the uh, Will Help Wanted show? And we did a Help Wanted ad every week for Will's shop. And what has it become lately? Derek buys a new car. Derek buys a new car. Yeah, (laughs) It's only February and you're like shopping for your third now. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. It's second. What about your wife's? That's right. Dude, we bought the Acadia like a year and a year ago, year and a half. You ago. are. You've lost your mind. It's a 2020. One. No, it's a 2020. <laughs> I know because it just got wrecked like four months ago. Oh, so y'all wrecked both of them? <laughs> no, she got hit. So. Derek did his himself, but going car discounts are not coming back. Do you really think that when all of this pandemic and chip shortage and production holdups and boats catching fire in the Atlantic? Sorry, Matt. Um, If you didn't hear Matt Ferris, Porsche burned up in the Atlantic. Um, uh, Do you really think car dealerships, especially American car dealerships, aren't going to bring back rebates and discounting and negotiating? I think it all depends on how much um, supply comes back into the market and what the demand stays at. That's what's going to, I mean, they're not dealing right now. I'll tell you that. Well, unless you're buying an Alfa Romeo, (laughs) supposedly Alfa Romeo, Lincoln, Land Rover, and there's one other before I get to many are still all selling below sticker price. I put a Facebook post up about that today. Maybe I need to look at those. But I just think this is a piece of press coming from a dealership group kind of uh, pretending that, hey, we're not going to discount cars. If we don't discount cars, people aren't going to be able to buy cars in a couple of years because not only the previous business model, people were so far upside down, they depended on rebates and cash incentives and things like that. As we start recovering and car values start correcting, you people are going to definitely need discounting and rebates to uh, get out of the things that they paid way too much money for today. My personal opinion. But that was just one of the headlines that I had come across my desk, but really over the last couple of days. Uh, last week's show topic started, took a form of reality yesterday uh, when uh, AT&T shut down their 3G service. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's affecting anybody yet, but supposedly it's affecting some alarm companies and uh, some alarm systems out there. And we'll see where it goes. I'm on AT&T and my watch seems to still be working. So give it another couple of days. Another couple of days or, you know, it could be that the Samsung slid it over to uh, just any 3G service. It doesn't, I'm thinking it doesn't maybe necessarily have to be um, AT&T, but maybe it does. Yeah, Sorry if your watch dies. Keep us up updated. Yeah, I will. But anyway, I think I agree with you, Will. I mean, if if dealerships, once the supply comes back up in you know the supply chain, just because one of the large automotive dealer you know conglomerates, whatever you want to call it, says they're not going to cut deals, the other dealerships are going to start cutting deals to get the business, and they're going to be forced to. It's just just because they're one big one, they're not going to be able to control the market with all the other dealerships out there. That's true. It, I mean, I really don't give a crap either way on, on this topic. I mean, I, I'm very seldom. Do I ever buy a new car? I was going to say, um, we'll still I, drive in what a 97 Tahoe. So. Absolutely. I like cool stuff. What's new. That is cool that I can afford. Nothing, nothing. Um, so, I mean, even my wife's car we bought used, uh, you know, I just, I don't like dealing with dealerships. Um, and, um, in my 40 years of being here, I've bought two brand new vehicles and I don't care if I ever buy another. Um, I know how to work on stuff. I know how to work on late model stuff. I know how to work on old stuff. So I'm not going to lose that 25, 30% the second you drive it off the lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that that's the case right now, but it will get back to that. And it's it's going to come back. Everybody's freaking out about, you know, the dealerships marking crap up. And you know what? Hey, take advantage of the situation. If I owned a dealership, I'd be doing the same freaking thing. You can't get them. So somebody comes in to buy it. All right, I pay me more. It's just that simple. Because if you don't, the guy coming in behind you is going to. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it sucks for a situation like yours, Derek, where you, where you, you know, you messed your truck up and you got to get a new one and they totaled it. Uh, I mean, I, I feel sorry for guys like you in the situation that you're in. Um, hey, nobody's saying I'm buying up. Uh, well, well you know, obviously I'm not buying a new car because I definitely can't afford that because prices are stupid. Right. But even the used it, cars I'm looking at at dealerships, I'm, I've been checking out marketplace and, and, craigslist online for because i'm at a point honestly where i might not buy something even used on the dealer lot i might just go buy a beater and drive it until the tell prices come down or whatever that's exactly what i was about to say go buy you a 96 cavalier just to get your butt to and from work and you know what whenever the prices come down take your insurance money and Mm -hmm. go buy you what you want Pitch the keys to some homeless dude, sign the title over to him and say, here you go. Get where you want to go and hit the road. I was, I got a comment here that um, 
from a different perspective because from really a not a car person perspective to them it would make more sense to go out right now and pay a little bit more for a brand new car that has a term and a warranty because this person does not trade cars as often as I do. I don't think some dealerships don't trade cars as often as I do, but that they would buy something new because, you know, you would have an end in sight, you know, when you would be out um, and you would have a warranty through the whole period. So there's, there is an argument not to buy that cheap beater because hell the cheap beaters are expensive right now. And some, some are, I'll say that, but you know, I mean, it, it depends on who you are, John, you know, you just said it, it's the person who's evidently commenting to you is, you know, they're not a car person. They're not somebody that grew up working on cars or learned how to work on cars. Whereas people like at least Will and myself, because John just doesn't want to do it. We know how to work on cars. So if we buy an older car, that's a beater and something breaks down, we're going to fix it. We're going to fix it ourselves. We don't need the warranty. Here you go. 2000 S 10 got a lot of miles on it. 2000 bucks. Exactly. You know, I mean, I mean, seriously, everybody on the show knows I, at one point I owned a Pontiac solstice. Um, my wife hates them, by the way. Uh, but I found one that's like 3500 bucks. Right. With, with the higher mileage, it's like right around 90000 But, I mean, it's it's just a beater car to drive back and forth, have a little fun in. You know, I, I haven't made up my mind yet. Well, that's what I'd be doing. No. I mean, well, that's what I drive anyway. I drive a Peter, so you know. <laughs> well, Kim Rich commented that gas prices are going up and blah blah blah, and the majority of autos that will show up will be EVs. Do you realize it was a lithium uh, battery fire that caught that ship on fire in uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the ocean? Well, here's here's my thing. All right, he said gas powered auto prices will continue to climb by design by automakers. The majority of autos on lots will be EV. All right. So if electric vehicles make this huge come, you know, they keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. You can um, say comeback because it ties into tonight's well, show. Right, right. <laughs> it makes a comeback. All right. Say it makes a comeback. And most cars on the road are EV. Hey, I'm 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 excited about that. Guess what's going to come down? Gas prices and diesel prices. So, hey, go out and buy one. Go right now, everybody. Yeah, I don't know how true that statement is, though, especially if you're a Hyundai or a Kia dealership, because Hyundai dealerships are scalping Hyundai dealerships. Hyundai dealerships that are trying to sell their new electric vehicle at sticker are having Hyundai dealerships that are doing markups coming over and buying the cars Mm -hmm. just right off the lot, taking them to their lot and then marking them up. And Kia's getting into trouble because they're asking for credit checks. They're asking for deposits. They're telling people no test drives on their new forty-eight dollars to $60,000 Kia. And then they're doing fifteen dollars to $20,000 markups to it. Uh, so is that, the, is that the Stinger? No, the Stinger yeah. is the uh, gas-powered car they canceled a few years ago. Oh, um, this is like... Doing? It's uh, two letters. I don't know. Oh, all right. No. Not up on my Kia. Sorry. 
Yeah. Neither was I until I read that article when they supposedly have this phenomenal electric car. Hmm. But as you know, Will kind of alluded to the revitalization of gas cars, hopefully in the future. And I've uh, uh, mentioned electric cars. Let's talk about what the topic is tonight. You know, old is the new new. And the idea is there's so much car technology that's hitting, coming out now, or has come out in even the last 20, 25 years. And it's revolutionary. But all it is is a rehash of the past. That's why it's revolutionary, John, because it's come back around. E-revolution. Oh, <laughs> yeah. hey. Uh, had to get it in there. <clears throat> I, was going, I was going revolve. Okay, yeah, I go with revolve. You yeah, know, we just that's figured what out. I, I say it a lot. We just figured out how to do it. But what brought this topic <laughs> to mind is who, I can't remember who the heck I was having the conversation with or heard the conversation. And maybe you know what the car is, Derek. But technically... In the crudest form, GPS has existed since 1908. At least. What was the manufacturer that came out with a disc that you put in your car and it would track you and it would get you from like Detroit, well, from I think Washington, D.C. to Detroit or New York City to Washington, D.C. Well, there were turn by turn directions. There were multiple different companies. So that's that's number one. I don't recall most of their names. Um, some of them were a round disc that, you know, had basically it would tie into your speedometer cable so that it could, you could basically set it to when you were starting. It would turn at the revolutions based on the speed you were going. They had a whole gear ratio set up. And there were some that had just simply turn by turn directions that as it spun the disc, you would, it would show you, you know, how far you're going when your turn was coming, so on and so forth. So, you know, you actually had to put the disc in of the route you were taking. Um, There was also one that had, um, it was almost like a player piano. Um, If everybody knows, you know, what a player piano looks like, how they had the scrolls inserted into them. Um, There was one that actually had a, a scroll system that you would put it in. And it was actually a map, a drawn map. And you, it again, tied to your speedometer. So it would read how fast you were traveling, compare that to the scale of the map that's drawn and spin everything at the right speed that you would basically be looking at turn by turn navigation as this map was rolling up, um, as you were driving. So, and that's, that's all been around since about like, yeah, about 1989, somewhere in there, the first companies started coming out with those, um, you know, there, there was a ton of stuff coming out that was either mechanically driven, you know, in your car or just, you know, books, you know, uh, somebody just, Jason said, Rand McNally. I don't remember when Rand McNally actually started, but there were a number of, you know, Atlas, not really Atlases like Rand McNally, but, um, just map books that would give turn by turn directions. Now, and and the, the funny thing is, is I heard it and I, found, you know, researched a little bit how it worked, but we used to think MapQuest was bad when you missed a turn. These <laughs> things, you know, once you missed a turn with these things, you were done. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, you'd, uh, you'd, well, you'd have to like, you know, get back to where you were, re- reset it all, hook it back up. You know, it'd be like a 20 minute process to to reset your nav. Yeah. Why can't you just read road signs and drive? 
1908, they really didn't have a lot of road signs, Will. True. 1908, they didn't have a lot of roads. Yeah. True. You know, it was there. Old is new. Uh, it's like back to the future. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Like 1908, you didn't need roads. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, really, with the condition of most American roads, you're probably better not driving on them. What are some of these other technologies that are floating out there? You know, I've got my short list, but turbochargers. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've been around forever, mm -hmm. like eighteen ninety something or something like that was when mm -hmm. turbos came out, right there. Yeah, um, I'm not going to remember the exact year, but I believe it was yeah, yeah late eighteen eighty eighteen eighties eighteen nineties. The first, um, you know, kind of. Patents and designs were brought out for turbos. Yeah, there you go. And then they weren't really used on cars until race cars till the 60s, correct? And then the first road car with the turbo, modern road car with the turbo would be like the the Porsche 930, mid 70s, 74, 75. Possibly. I think that's I think that was yeah. the first road car that came yeah. with the I turbo. I mean, even even superchargers have been around. Yeah. since the you know early 1900s so i mean things like that you know i mean and, and you get into anything any form of power source okay if somebody's built a nuclear powered car that's probably actually kind of new i mean it's you know <laughs> um but i mean you know, yeah exactly but i mean you think about, i mean Electric vehicles are not new. Hybrid vehicles are not new. Um, obviously, internal combustion. Um, steam cars, nobody builds them anymore, but steam cars, no. Uh, last attempts at a steam car were in the like 1950s and 60s. Um, I mean, you, you name, I mean, even, even run on, running off of wood gas or coal gas or anything like that, it's all been done. I mean, well, the I one guess. thing that the one thing that has not been seriously all that well, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. Were you too, talking too about deep. a technology that exists now that really wasn't tried in the past, or no? It's been tried over time, but yeah, you know, the whole idea of a, a car that's powered by water, essentially. So you know you're you're really what you're doing is trying to run off the hydrogen portion of water um, now there's hydrogen powered cars that are using straight hydrogen but there have been people over time that have attempted to figure out how to essentially you know inject water into a system to actually you know atomize it so far that you would actually be able to combust the hydrogen portion of the water to create power now okay water power can also become considered steam i guess but you know there's there have been attempts at that over time well i was going to say toyota's and i can't remember who their partner is is really big in this hydrogen and separating hydrogen atoms from water and you know that's i guess what the you know biggest problem is because hydrogen and oxygen are really clingy um mm -hmm. atoms and they don't like to let go of each other, you know. I guess they have a really good relationship. And once you get them separated, then then you have a viable product. But the hardest part is the um, 
you can you can actually say it's it's probably the greatest threesome in history. <laughs> <laughs> what were you drinking tonight? <laughs> this is like Derek's fourth threesome joke since we <laughs> started this. With, Not necessarily uh, actually, show since actually we what what am I drinking? I'm drinking dihydrogen monoxide. <laughs> what does that mean? Wesley McBrayer said Honda did. Yeah, Honda was one of the companies that did actually experiment with it. Um, I don't remember every factoid about that, but yes, Wesley is correct. There was some work that Honda was doing. So we've got that one. Um, we've talked, I think we've talked on a show, you know, dual overhead cam, you know, mm -hmm. big deal. Honda's doing it, et cetera. We just mentioned Honda. A lot of people are, you know, every hell, everybody's doing it now. Uh, it's kind of revolutionary. Corvette ZR1, you know, V8, you know, quad cam, you know, two dual overhead cams. I know that wasn't the first, even in the modern era, but, you know, was Duesenberg, Duesenberg wasn't even the first example of dual overhead cam, was it, Derek? Oh, they were one of the early ones, but, um, I'm not I'm not sure who did the first dual overhead cam, but they were they were early in the game, I can say that. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um I'm just gonna go ahead and do this. If if you really want to learn about early automotive history, search out this book. The standard catalog of American cars, 1805 to 1942. And this will tell you a ton of information if if you don't already have it. Um, I've got a couple copies. Is it still available? I have two. Uh, no, it is it is out of publication, so you have to find it on a used you know book site or something like that. I made sure I have two copies, and actually, I got my dad a copy. So floating around in our um, libraries between the two of us are three copies. <clears throat> Well, on the on the hot rod side of things, Randy mentioned a th something that uh, patinaed paint. You know, it's old paint. It's kind of a new hot thing. Um, so it's old and new and hip, and you know. <clears throat> and then the way, also the way that the way that we build cars here um, is, you know, the really the way they built cars back a long time ago. If you don't have a part, you just make it. Um, we use power hammers and nibblers and all this stuff to shape sheet metal, just like they did back in the day to to make um, coach-built cars. So mm -hmm. essentially, that's what we're doing. I mean, we're coach-building cars. Uh, the Impala is a great example of that. Did we coach-build the entire car? No, we did not. But the only thing we left stock on that car was some of the structure around the firewall. Um, some of the door structure, uh, you know, some of the structure in the, in the quarter panels, but not much of it. And, uh, you know, we pretty well coach built that car, which is the way they done it back in the, you know, the 1800s. Days of, of, of coaches. And hence the reason it's called coach. Coach, right. So, <laughs> I mean, so even going, even going that far with this subject is, 
and and that's the way every hot rod shop's doing it. If if they're building cars equivalent to that Impala, um, you know, Alan Johnson's a good example of that. I mean, um, they can make every panel on a car. Um, Jesse Greening, you know, out of Coleman, Alabama, same place as Go to Island. Um, <laughs> You know, but there's a you know there's a lot of shops in in the country that that do it that way with with old equipment, um, and it, if it's not old equipment, if it's a piece of new equipment, it's replicating that piece of old equipment mm-hmm. that um, you either can't find or just physically can't afford if you find it. So well, and there's there's even people that are building uh, essentially recreations of old equipment. Just so I, I believe right. it's. Um, the a friend which john knows this person uh, will you might too um but a, a friend that i know um you know he had a brand new yoder power hammer built but it's it's an exact recreation of the original yoder power hammers um uh, so that he could fabricate right. the stuff he was working on the way it needed to be fabricated right you know what i mean you look at the background tonight yeah, there's a bunch of machine tools and it appears to be an old blacksmith shop. Um, but, you know, the only difference between the equipment you're seeing there and modern equipment is essentially the drive system. Right. You know, it's just that was belt driven back then. Now it's just run by electric motors. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can yeah. buy you can buy a brand new Pettengill hammer right now today. Brand new. And a lot of people say, you know, that's the best power hammer ever made. I mean, I, I, yeah, we had one of those at White Post. It moved the building. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I mean, I would love to have a Pettengill or a Yoder or something like that. I just, I can't justify spending the money for one right now. We just don't do, we don't use our power hammer every day. If we used it every day, then heck yeah, I'd, you know, I'd be all about it, but. But, you know, you talk about coach building from the hot rod perspective there, Will. Actually, coach building seems to actually is hitting the the mainstream a lot now, too. I mean, if you look at some of these cars that um, want to say production cars and that that are hitting the market or such. I mean, uh, the Singer Porsches technically are coach built Porsches. You know, granted, they're starting with a Porsche, but they're tweaking everything and massaging every body panel and building the car Porsche would have loved to have built, but you know, Porsche's got to sacrifice a little bit for a production car. You know, but, I think but, that- but I guess I, I, I disagree with that. John. I think that's taking the term coach built a little too loosely because what? singer, they're not really one offs. Every singer is individually tailored for its owner. What you know, from body body tweaks to the interior to not there are no two singers that are alike. There's a, you know, there's a reason every, there's a three year wait list for them. So you're telling me every singer has a every like fender is different. Every panel on each car is different. Not every panel, but the there's every car has is custom to the orderer's wishes. So 
It could be. Every panel could be if the owner chose to do that. Most of them, yes, every piece is massaged in some sort of way. But you and I could order the same part. Well, but it, so, uh, you know, I'm then I, I stand corrected. I thought Singer, I, I guess I was under the impression that they were some the interiors could be different things. But I was under the impression that what they modified on the outside with the, the body panels pretty much stayed all the same on every single one. But if you're saying it can be changed, then, yes, that's coach. Um, you know, because that's you coach builders originally you could custom order your coach any way you wanted but were there some that came out almost identical yeah because somebody would see one and go man i want that and they would just say hey build me you know brewster build me you know something similar to what you built for that guy but i want this and this in it yeah see i'll go with and i'll agree with you because i've also heard spikers were coach or coach built no not really uh every you know spikers pretty much are consistent production cars. Cool. Consistent production cars, but yeah. So I just, I, you know, I think we got to really kind of understand the the definition of some of the terms too, you know, which always gets muddy in when you're talking in, in any field that has terminology behind it. But, you know, with the automotive or transportation industry, I think some of those words, well, Hmm. I think everybody knows my pet peeve, the word curated. That word is um, used incorrectly many times, Um, not in the auto industry, but just in the general world. Um, But, you know, I mean, it, you know, we've talked about it before. There's words Will doesn't like because of a connotation behind it. Um, You know, and it's just defining those terms, you know, uh, even the word patina um, because it's come up tonight can get kind of questionable in, in the auto industry or in the automotive world. You know, what, what, what does patina describe? Heck, the word, I know we're original, off topic the word original has various meanings too. Exactly. Correct. So let me ask something. Um, so the word coach built, I hate to say that we're coach building cars because technically we're really not. Um, we're not building cars from scratch, but we are totally individualizing these vehicles for their owner. Um, so I mean, what, what would be the correct term? We're using coach building techniques. Yeah. We are not coach building. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want people to get that twisted. Don't, don't shoot me if you hate this word, but I would just simply say you're customizing. Right, right. Yeah. And that, that, no, that's fine. You're using Yeah, you're using coach building techniques to customize production cars. Right, there you go. Uh, go. Which, you know, truly, you know, uh, Harley Earl, who is kind of credited as one of the fathers, really the father of the design automotive design studios that all of the big auto companies have. I mean, he started um, art and styling at, you know, GM, which is now design studio. And, you know, he came from a coach builder. His dad was a coach builder in LA and grew up around that. And then he, he actually more so when he went into the auto industry, he wasn't really a a coach builder, but he was a customizer. He was using coach building techniques to customize Cadillacs and Renaults and 
all the big high-end cars that the you know Hollywood elite back then, yep. um, Fatty Arbuckle, most famously, he did two or three cars for Fatty Arbuckle. Um, you know, those were he was he was customizing them using yep. coach building techniques. Yeah, I, I totally uh, agree. I totally yeah. agree with Jason where coach built should be a sanctioned by the original manufacturer. Mm -hmm. You know, um, now if I bought model a chassis and built my own body for them and I could build one different, however, now I'm coach building. Now you're if coach I'm, built, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm taking an original model, a body or even an aftermarket model, a body, whatever. And I cut it up and make it my own car. I have modified or customized that. So, yeah, I don't want people to get it twisted that I'm over here coach building stuff because, you know, the word to me, the word coach built is the elite of the elite. Those are the guys that are the baddest dudes on the planet that are in our industry. Um, so, yeah, I'm not a coach builder. I could be, but, but I'm you not. could be if you wanted to. Right. I've got the equipment and, and the tooling and, and the, the knowledge to be a coach builder, but that's that's not what I currently am. See, and I, I take the, the term different, I guess, because I kind of feel you are in the, I guess, loosest terms of the words uh, coach built um, is you're building somebody's desire. You are taking a coach and you are building it to what they want. And to me, that's what coach building is. Um, building, building a coach, whether it be a, a stage coach or whether it be a caravan to a customer's an individual's customer's wishes. That's why, you know, I, you know, I brought in singer. Well, I guess Singer is a coach builder according to Jason's definition because it is now sanctioned by the manufacturer. Porsche is actually building motors for Singer as an option. You can have a Porsche built motor put in your Singer now as opposed to whoever I can't remember is building the motors for the Singers. Um, you know, I think it would be interesting to swing back to episode 21 of No Driving Gloves. Oh, geez, I can't remember what date that was. October 23rd, 2017, we were... God, we've we, been doing that this long. What? We, we started in June of 2017. And so the 21st episode is, why are we not coach building? Or are we? Might be fun to go back and listen to that episode and see, if see our what opinions we feel about coach building there. And <laughs> Wow. It's almost been five so, years. Yeah, I know, right? So then I, I actually... I stand my ground on Singer because if they're using just taking a Porsche that's already built and simply massaging the body panels, massaging, uh, they're just a a modify modification slash slash customization company. Coach build. If you go back to the the days of carriages and then the early auto industry, the true coach builders would have a chassis shipped to them from one of the manufacturers and they would hand build that body to set specifications that they sat down with the owner and actually drafted a body for that. 
so what's the so, difference if Will orders an Art Morrison chassis and puts a car on it? Nothing. If well, he's if he's if he's using a a production body car, then he's simply customizing that right. car. If he builds the body on that chassis and builds it from scratch up, then that's coach building. Right. All right. So this is, raises a question. Um, there's a lot of bus manufacturers in the United States. Prevost is one of them. Um, Bluebird, you know, that's kind of what they do. They order a chassis and they put their body on a chassis. So would that be considered coach building? I know like, you know, let's say Etowah County school orders 30 buses to their specs, but Jefferson County schools orders 200 buses to their specs, which are different. So would that be that Bluebird is a coach builder or is Bluebird just a bus manufacturer? I, I can't would, get over the fact that we call, you know, our Prevost RVs, they're actually motor coaches. So, yeah, they're <laughs> brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but I know what your question is. And maybe because, you know, a Bluebird is, you know, a metal framed coach or right. RV or whatever, where a lot of its competition I can't say f whether I know on a Prevost, our entire fiberglass boxes sat on a chassis. Uh, somebody was talking to me, uh, it had to be 15 years ago, about a fire where their RV was stored and it burned down an entire warehouse of RVs. And four of them had the structure left and everything else was just a chassis. And the four that had structure were bluebirds. The rest were not bluebirds, and it was just basically it melted the fiberglass. So I don't, I don't know if it's, you know, coach built. But then I guess because you're just dropping the same thing on a car, on a car, on a car. Right. It's almost a manufacturer, not a coach builder. So that raises right. another question. So um, Dave Kindig is doing a, he's calling it a production line of. Um, what looks like a overgrown um, 53, 54 Corvette. And they are built kind of individually for that person. I think they're carbon fiber bodies. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a one-off car. The bodies are basically the same, but you can get it completely individualized for you. You know, there's colors and, interior options, wheels, tires, headlights, engine transmission options, and stuff like that. Is that considered coach building or is that considered um, production with options? And is production with options considered coach building? I, see, I, I would, put that I would as production. production. Yeah. Because yeah, anytime, anytime you take, I mean, think about even the auto manufacturers, they put the same body on right. a chassis, but guess what? You can order a new car kind of how you want it. You can pick your interior color. You can pick some of your options, right. but that basic chassis and that basic body are not different from one it's, to another. It's more and like order. So that's, that's going to production when you go that far. Yeah. It's more like ordering a 69 Camaro in 69. You could order 
you know, you could get a, 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 you know, a base car with the big motor in it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or you could get the whole kit and caboodle and get everything, or you could get a base car with whatever, you, you know, that it's not like today where you order a package, you know, you can get this package or that package or this package or that package. Right. So, yeah. And, you know, there's, right. I mean, even, even with Corvette right now, I mean, there's a ton of RPO codes that you can use to build, you know, your Corvette and you can actually get those fairly unique. Um, you know, when you, when you get that many options that you can pick and, you know, I mean, we, you know, we have all the records at the museum. We, we archive the, the build sheets and records and, you know, we can tell people roughly, you know, we, so we say that there's not, you know, there might be a little chance that we could be a little off, but, you know, we can normally tell people they have one of three built the way their car is built um, because we can, you know, search all the records and, you know, get a good idea of how many of these car Corvettes were ordered this way. Um, you know, and then break it down through the numbers and say, okay, yeah, yours is one of about three that were ordered with, you know, uh, the torch red paint with this black interior, with this option, you know, this stripe package, boom, 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 and break it down. How, how but it still doesn't make that car coach built. It, it's a production car right. with right. options. I, I, I agree. Speaking of that, how far does that go back? How far does that archives go back to? So unfortunately, we only go back to 1981 when Corvette started production in Bowling Green. Um, and even 81, 82, um, there are some records that are missing. Um, nobody really knows what happened to them. Uh, kind of like all of the records from before 81. Nobody knows what happened to them. They just disappeared. Uh, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, when you when you get to that level and and you're just picking options and you know in GM terms RPO codes and uh, you know things like that, you're you're customizing, you're you're optioning out your production car. Now, you know, if you <laughs> actually we have all the records for the '83s, Jason. You know, I was that. thinking you did have all the uh, records on all the '83 Corvettes. There just only happens to be one left in existence. Heck, I even got them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I agree. I agree one hundred percent. I agree that if you're not, you know, and I think I personally think you could have a coach built fiberglass or carbon fiber car. Um, that's not. Oh yeah, really, that's and not I, really probably the way that I would prefer to do it. Um, but it is definitely an option, especially today with 3d printing and, and, and all of that stuff, you could 3d print all your molds and all your bucks and, and CAD design it and, and, and have a car and never even bang a piece of metal. Um, that to me, that, that technology is pretty cool in, in that aspect of it. Um, I'm a little more traditional and I like, I like hammering on metal. Um, and I wouldn't be mad at anybody if they did it that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I agree 100%. And if that, you go back to episodes 140 through 142, when we talked to Sterling about his 3d printed Lamborghini, where he's done everything ground up, um, with creating, building his own chassis, printing all his body panels, etc. 
Matter of fact, the only thing that really came from Lamborghini is once Lamborghini found out about it or Volkswagen Group, they sent him a steering wheel. Mm -hmm. So he had a proper steering wheel. So is it coach built? I, I don't know. You know, I don't know what the term really means now, but I think if you're building a car pretty much from scratch or you're changing the overall aesthetic, every car to every car, it's kind of coach built. If it's basically a one or one of one or one of two. But it's, what if, but, if but not, 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 not because I have a 83 Camaro and I have the only one that's light blue with purple interior. That's not coach built. Uh, it's just me. You couldn't I order agree. a car correctly. But if, if yeah. you copy, let's say I, I, I built a, a coach built, a 32 Ford replica. Did I coach build it or did I just copy something? You know what I'm saying? But it I mean, looks just like something else. Right, um, right. Is that is that coach building or is that coach copying? I mean, I, yeah, I, I, would, I would just, I would have just a calling hard it a replica. Time, right. I would have a hard time calling that coach building if you're copying something. Yeah. So you get into so many different variables because, okay, I build a Lamborghini Countach kit car. And I do it to all the same dimensions and everything. Is that coach built? But if I do it on a Fiero chassis and I don't change any of the dimensions, but build it to a Fiero so it's shorter and stubbier, it's not the same as a Countach. It, I'm sorry, I'm still not going to say you coach built your Lamborghini. Right, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, agree. there's, I think there's some logic to it, but you're dealing, I think, it might even go to a uh, investment level. I mean, I don't know if you know. It's crossed my mind when we're talking about. I don't know how this show progressed to coach building. Yeah. There's a gentleman that's on some of the Corvette boards. Take, he's on some I'll of the kit. The he's on some of the kit car boards. Derek knows who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Who is taking a C8 Corvette and is making it into a mid-year Corvette and. He's, you know, build build techniques and all that aside. When he's done, he's taken a C8 Corvette. He stripped a lot of the Corvette. Actually, he stripped almost every Corvette body panel off mm -hmm. or hidden them, at least. Is that coach built? I mean, he's created his own molds for, for the uh, body panels. He's, you know, taken the front fenders off in the hood and changed the doors and, you know, adhered things to the rear fenders. And I don't know if that, you know. Is that coach built or is that just a rebody? I think that's a rebody or a customization. Yeah. I think it's customizing again. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do we get this all the way back to? So we're talking about um, old is new again. Now, actually, I guess the way we can get back to the old is new again in typical no driving gloves circular fashion is it's a no driving gloves episode, just like yeah, all exactly. of our old episodes. <laughs> we went completely off topic and now we've arrived back at topic <laughs> gee thanks will uh you know it is what it is hey you never know what you're gonna get and we can review this topic again in you know five years since we reviewed co coach building five years go. after <laughs> man it, it i hate to go back to the whole five year thing but dude where 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 has time went I mean, yeah, I don't know. Five ask. years. That's crazy. 
Mm-hmm. We've been doing this five years. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this back around. And I will say the truly what I always would tell people when I, you know, when I give tours or talk at, you know, my time at the Henry Ford museum or the Crawford in Cleveland, not so much in, in the Corvette museum, because of course we don't have any early cars in the collection, but really about the only thing that is in any way new to the auto industry is simply the development of technology over time, the adaptation of computer technology to operate as a brain inside the car, rather than having the human brain be the operation behind it and understanding everything. That's really about the only thing that is, is ever per se new to the industry is just the evolution of technology and it's, adaptation to what we already have well i was going to do a statement before we got um off on coach building about the old is the new new well if you go back to here we are i'm throwing back to another episode episode 137 history of the automobile part one Derek took it to the extreme even the car's not new some dude in history named da vinci created the car it just took 400 years to come up with the technology to make it work i prefer the term self-propelled vehicle but (laughs) (laughs) so but we're right about that hour mark and since it's a podcast we have to end on time nothing pisses me (laughs) off more than when people say their podcast has to end on time doesn't matter but uh, call to the I action. You just, I, Check I us out just... on the website, nodrivinggloves.com. Facebook links there. YouTube links are there. All the old episodes are there. We're coming close to episode 200. I mean, we oh haven't been God. one of the good podcast diehard ep- episode every week, but we're going to be banging on 200 here in the next month or so. And you know, check us out, give us some feedback, throw out some topics. Uh, Jason had a nice compliment that, you know, learning about 1908 GPS. Now, granted, it wasn't global positioning system, but close. Um, you know, we, we like to throw out some neat, neat ideas every now and then. So, again, you know, check us out on nodrivinggloves.com. You can buy us a coffee there if, the, you know, the episode is worth throwing us a couple of bucks. Um, or, you know, give us some feedback. You know, if you take a globe with you in your car, it could be a globe positioning satellite system. Globe positioning system. Yeah, globe positioning system. That one. Yeah, just Derek. Yeah, what up, Derek? No, but I thought I thought this was a podcast. Don't we just ramble on for three hours? Derek, be quiet. It doesn't matter, Will. All the listeners are gone. <laughs> Even Jason's like crickets. I go and damn, and I, I have my board sit, sitting here, and I forgot to pull out the cable, and I could have done a cricket sound effect. Chirp, 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 chirp. We'll get there. We'll get there. We have no mm-hmm. more live listeners. Uh, you're you're way off on that one tonight, Will. We've had some record number listeners. Tonight. No, no, everybody's gone now. When whenever Derek started talking about his globe, 
And that little bell in the background is being worn by the resident cricket here in the studio, my dog, <laughs> mm-hmm. whose name is Cricket. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, and mm-hmm. we still have commentary from Brandy in the studio audience. Yeah. And the occasional chuckle. So, and dad, you're a little late here, Pops. <laughs> now, Sorry. okay, I, I'm going to throw one out here to uh, Mr. Posey. When you use a roadmap, do you always have the roadmap with north facing north, or do you have it oriented to the direction you're traveling? I can, if you're I can a pilot, answer. you always have north facing north. Right. I, I was going to say I can answer that question because I've been his co-pilot before. It is always north facing north. Yeah. It drives me nuts, but that's actually the way uh, Colin Chapman did it with Lotus, and you know, people talk about that. That uh, that's the way but, I have to do it. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a I'm a north facing north kind of guy. I kind of have I kind of have my GPS set up that so if I, I'm driving I'm driving always straight up the screen. So. <laughs> now GPS is different. I'm that way with GPS. Okay. But if it's a road map, you got to have north facing north. No. I gotta have. He, a, he says I'm right. Uh, you're definitely right. It's just not the way I do it. I was just <laughs> curious since we got got on the subject of road maps too. But like I said. I'm out of here. I won't give you another plug to go to nodrivinggloves.com and check out the whole show and our back episodes. Um, Give us a like, give us a follow, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you're at, and be sure to tell a friend about us. Adios. Later. Bye. I got to push this.